Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. A little late because I've been a little under the weather, but we have a lot to talk about when it comes to whether criminal charges are imminent with regard to the death of Helena Hutchins on the set of Rust at the hands of Alec Baldwin. It's going to be a very interesting next few weeks to see what happens. We're coming up on one year since this fatal workplace shooting. We've got a lot of different interviews from Alec Baldwin, a lot of information in the public. And now this letter regarding financing from the district attorney in Santa Fe, making clear that charges are at least anticipated. Let's talk about what that means, what charges could look like, um, and and just give kind of an overview of, of what this process looks like from here. Seeing this request for funding is a very interesting peek behind the curtain. And of course, Alec Baldwin's attorney has had some very strong thoughts about it. So I'm going to break all that down today, answer some of your questions. I asked the Lawnards over at the Lawnards community at Lawnards Unite what your questions were about this breaking story. And a lot of you asked about what kind of charges we might be looking at, what this indication from the DA means, what this process is, what's going on with Alec Baldwin selling his $29 million Hampton home, if that's connected with this or other things, because there are so many lawsuits and more. So we're going to take a look at all of it and hopefully answer some of your questions in the process. So is Alec Baldwin getting charged with murder? I mean, that's really what everybody wants to know, isn't it? Let's let's take a look. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Have you thought about how your banking impacts the planet? Well, maybe you haven't, but the folks at Aspiration have. Aspiration is a climate-friendly alternative to big banks. Yep, you could get a plastic-free debit card that's built to help your wallet and the planet. Aspiration will let you round up each debit transaction to plant a tree. This debit card allows you to align your values and your card. And they are on their way to funding over 1 billion trees planted by 2023. It's no wonder why Forbes, NerdWallet, and The Penny Hoarder all recommend Aspiration for the eco-conscious. Best of all, there's no credit check, no overdraft fees, and with Aspiration, you just pay what you think is fair, even if it's zero. If you want to check out Aspiration for yourself, open an Aspiration account today at aspiration.com slash debit and move your money out of fossil fuels. Help save the planet with your Aspiration debit card at aspiration.com slash debit today. Some terms and conditions apply. Go see how your dollars can make a difference. Let's get back to today's episode. So for a brief rundown of what's going on with Rust, we're not going to talk today about the ancillary, well, they're not really ancillary, but the other lawsuits going on in all of the civil lawsuits much. We will circle back to those on a live stream, which is where I've been keeping you up to date on those over on YouTube, because there has been movement, particularly in the script supervisor lawsuit. A lot of that movement is the court saying, I don't know how you're going to get here 
because I don't know how you're going to prove that Alec Baldwin knew there was a bullet in the gun. I don't think that can be proven. I don't think we've seen anything uh, that shows that that can be proven. And that's going to factor into our conversation today about, you know, homicide charges and types of homicide charges and frame of mind, what's necessary, and looking at the statutes in New Mexico to see what is possible. Now, of course, I don't practice in New Mexico. That's not where I'm licensed. So I am looking at the law, but this is, again, based on my own reading of the law and kind of my own thoughts after years and years of being a district attorney, looking at who might get charged and how. I was on News Nation a while back talking about this case and talking about potential charges and saying, look, even if Baldwin doesn't get charged, I think there's room for some people to get charged here. And we're going to see the district attorney in New Mexico today. Well, a few days ago, as I'm recording it today, but as you're listening to it, also today for you. The new district attorney in New Mexico talking about up to four people being charged and up to four potential trials in this matter. And I will give you my breakdown of who I think uh, kind of the likely individuals are that might be charged and where criminal charges could apply. This is completely separate from everything going on in the civil process. And in the civil process, we have the wrongful death lawsuit filed by Helena Hutchins' husband or or widower and son. We have the uh, script supervisor lawsuit that's had a lot of litigation going on with whether there is enough to hold everyone under the sun that was sued in that to account or whether it will just be Alec Baldwin individually held to account in that case. And then we have the Sventnoy lawsuit. He was the gaffer that was standing near the script supervisor, Mamie Mitchell, and near Helena Hutchins and Joel Souza. We then have the lawsuit with regard to the uh, first responder on set. We have the lawsuit with regard to the armor. And we have um, the other cases going on, the New Mexico um, OSHA, that's not OSHA, New Mexico case, and, and others. So there are these plethora of civil litigations. And then to keep in mind, as we talk about Alec Baldwin's selling of his home later in this episode, there is also an arbitration demand that we've seen that is working through the process about whether Alec Baldwin might be indemnified against some of these civil uh, liabilities. There are civil liabilities for him in his role as a producer or an actor under his employment contract. Indemnification, meaning hey, even if I get sued, you, employer, have to cover me. So how much Alec Baldwin personally might be civilly liable is a very, very long way away and is not a certainty by any means. So when you're looking at, well, obviously he was the one with the gun. Yeah, I hear you. But when we come down to civil liability, even if he's found to be civilly liable, in some of these lawsuits, or even when he's found to be civilly liable in some of these lawsuits, whether it's him as an individual, him as a producer, him as his companies, and whether or not his employment contract will indemnify him, meaning that the production companies and their insurances will have to deal with this more than Alec Baldwin as an individual with his individual assets having to deal with it. There is a lot of legal that will have to be slogged through 
in likely the years to come with regard to that, because of course you're going to see insurance companies and then back and forth possibly between insurance companies. And well, the circumstances here are much more much more tragic than what we saw in Depp versus Heard, clearly because somebody has lost their life. We are still potentially going to see the same kind of back and forth with insurance companies, like we're getting a peek into in the Depp v. Heard case, looking at Amber Heard's insurance companies, fighting over who is responsible for paying. There's a lot of room for that to happen in this case because there are lots of insured. There are multiple different businesses, multiple different producers. So there's a lot of room for what insurance responsibility uh, pays for some of these civil suits at the end of the day. But the civil suits aside, uh, for the time being, as they will slowly work their way through the courts, the criminal is what people have been looking for and asking about in the, the last, you know, months since this happened. I mean, this is a year almost since this incident on October 21st, 2021, and no charges have been filed, though someone died at the hands of another with a gun on on a movie set in a workplace. Interviews were given, evidence was gathered, the FBI report is back, and though I did an episode when the FBI report came back, and that'll all be linked, even though the FBI report's back, we're still not all the way done with this. So we're going to go to some reporting uh, first from CBS to take a look at where we stand and then break down what I think we might see in the future here. All right, so we're looking at a report from CBS News. Up to four people, including Alec Baldwin, might end up facing charges in rust shooting, district attorney says, and request for more money to investigate. I don't know if more money to investigate is fair because it's not just money to investigate that's being sought here. This goes on to say, a district attorney in New Mexico said she could be close, well, it's the district attorney in New Mexico, I think, said she could be close to charging up to four people, including Alec Baldwin, in the Rust film set shooting that occurred in Santa Fe on October 21st, 2021. First Judicial District Attorney Mary Kamerick Altwees made an emergency funding request for $635,500 to continue to fund the investigation of the high-profile case. To continue to fund. So it's interesting to me to see the DA needing to make a request for more money for this case. And this is the quote, quote, we are within weeks, if not days, of receiving the final report from the sheriff's office. So we know that they don't have a final report from the sheriff's office yet. So the investigative report from the sheriff's office is still not done almost a year later. She said during a New Mexico Board of Finance meeting on September 20th, she said, While they are still awaiting reports, quote, it's become apparent that we will be potentially charging between one and four people with criminal charges, and each of those charges will probably include some variation of our homicide statute. We're going to get into what that means in the homicide statute. In a letter to the Board of Finance, the district attorney's office specified that Baldwin could be one of the possible defendants, and that, quote, this case could require up to four separate jury trials. True, it could. Um... It could require separate jury trials. During the meeting, the district attorney said homicide cases are the most complex and litigious and that her office would use the money to hire more people to work on that case. Quote, these cases look to be too big for just my office to handle, the district attorney said, adding that she and two other attorneys from her office will remain on the case, but they will also need to focus on others. 
quote, we will need an almost full-time attorney, someone who is very experienced on complex cases and very experienced with litigation, she said. The funds could also go to that new attorney's support staff like paralegals, as well as experts who can aid in the investigation, like a firearm expert, an armorer who has worked on movies before, and potentially a movie set safety expert. She also requested a public information officer because her office has been overwhelmed with media attention over the case. I didn't realize their office didn't have a public information officer. The LA County District Attorney's Office, by way of comparison, a much larger, much, much larger office, has multiple people in their office of public information. It says that the report coming in October means we will be under the gun, no pun intended, to get moving on these cases and get these cases charged if that's what the facts warrant, she said, adding that any money she doesn't spend will be returned. It's merely what we need starting in October to start retaining people. So they're looking at a report coming in in October, which you know is at the end of this week. So they're looking at a report coming in on October and trying to charge, it sounds like within October, but also needing to bring in additional people. The Board of Finance approved $317,000 for the emergency request fund. When talking about what reports have been completed, the district attorney said, quote, to date, my office has received portions of the Rust investigation from SFSO, but is still awaiting the balance of supplemental reports, including but not limited to the following. FBI firearm and toolmark analyses, forensic testing on the firearm itself, the forensic download from the Suffolk County PD of Mr. Baldwin's phone, and the pathology report from the New Mexico Office of the Medical Examiner. So even though the autopsy has been completed, and we saw that last month, they're still waiting for all the reports. The district attorney said once she receive all the necessary reports, she and her team will make a charging decision. Baldwin's attorney criticized the implication that his client could be charged in a statement to CBS News, writing that the district attorney, quote, has made clear that she has not received the sheriff's report or made any decision about who, if anyone, might be charged in this case. Well, of course, Baldwin's attorney's pissed about it because the media headlines immediately were, it looks like Baldwin will be charged. But when asking for funding, the district attorney in Santa Fe needs to say, look, if we're dealing with a high-profile case, this is made much more high-profile if Baldwin is one of the individuals charged, and he is going to hire a fleet of defense attorneys. So we are going to need to make sure that we have the funds to mount a prosecution. In the deadline report on this, not just from the meeting that was held over financing, but also from a letter that the district attorney sent regarding the financing, the letter clearly said, according to their reporting, that, quote, one of the possible defendants is well-known movie actor Alec Baldwin. But again, this is where Baldwin's attorney says this has caused the media to draw false conclusions that he's necessarily going to be charged. So what we know from all the reporting is that there is still a lot of the investigation outstanding that the district attorneys don't have. This has been going on almost a year. They're not going to just charge it now without the rest of this information. They're going to need to get the rest of the reports, but I am sure they've already been reviewing their statutes based on the facts that they know. Because based on all the information that's been available, this is already out of the realm of most of their homicide statutes. So when you go to look at their homicide statutes in New Mexico, and this tracks with most jurisdictions, most of the statutes go to willful acts. So you get your murder one and murder two, where you get your, you know, depraved heart murder, where you're 
doing your murder with malice aforethought. And then you work your way down from those into manslaughter, voluntary, and involuntary. And that's where I think we find ourselves in this case is in that involuntary manslaughter realm. I don't think there is anything to show that this was an intentional act. The coroner ruled it as an accident. I was actually surprised that they ruled it as an accident because it was technically at the hands of another. I think they could have ruled it a homicide. Would that have potentially made things, I don't know, more complicated? Maybe. But I think they could have seen that the death was caused by the trigger being pulled on a gun that had a a bullet in it, even though the person holding the gun, there is no evidence to show at this point, knew that that gun was loaded. And in fact, everything we know points to that that individual thought the gun wasn't loaded. I think that's how we find ourselves in the involuntary manslaughter consideration. Now, all of those fall under the murder statutes and the homicide statutes in New Mexico. So could they charge involuntary manslaughter? Does that still count under their um, homicide statutes? Yes. So we've talked about this before when we talked about this case, but we're going to talk about it again. We're just going to go to the New Mexico statutes. They make them so easy to find. So thank you, New Mexico, for uh, your amazing public access. And this is their manslaughter statute. Manslaughter. Manslaughter is the unlawful killing of a human being without malice. A, voluntary manslaughter consists of a manslaughter committed upon a sudden quarrel or in the heat of passion. That's We're not dealing with a sudden quarrel or a heat of passion here. B of their statute says involuntary manslaughter consists of manslaughter committed in the commission of an unlawful act not amounting to a felony. That's not us. Or in the commission of a lawful act which might produce death in an unlawful manner or without due caution and circumspection. And I think that is where we are in the statute. We are looking at involuntary manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act which might produce death. Mm. I mean, you're legally allowed to film a movie, you have a gun, maybe. Or that if they find that the gun was being wielded in an unlawful manner, that it was being done without due caution. So when we go and look at their involuntary manslaughter statute in a little bit more depth, we get a little more, a little more information about it. So yes, we're all we're all the way down in this statute. Involuntary manslaughter statute excludes all cases of intentional killing. So right off the bat, this is for unintentional killing. That is, I think, where we are. Unless they have found something wild in this investigation, and then I'm, you know, we will we'll talk about it when charging decisions come down. But I think we're in the realm of unintentional killings. The law in the state makes it clear that an involuntary manslaughter may be committed by both unlawful and lawful acts. So doing something that's lawful but not doing it in a safe way could put you into this um, involuntary manslaughter consideration. And then if you're looking at doing a lawful act the negligence they prescribe by law is criminal negligence. So criminal negligence is required for involuntary manslaughter by lawful act. 
So filming a movie, you're allowed to do. Having a gun on a movie set, you're allowed to do. You're allowed to do the things they were doing, but then what went wrong that that weapon ended up being loaded with a live round pointed at someone and they were killed. So the notes here go on to say, a killing by lawful act to be involuntary manslaughter depends on whether the lawful act was done in an unlawful manner or without due caution or circumspection. The phrase without due caution and circumspection has been held to involve the concept of criminal negligence, which concept includes conduct which is reckless, wanton, or willful. And the act, again, of picking up a gun, pointing it at someone, is that enough to be reckless? Is that enough to be reckless without checking it yourself, even if you're told that it's clear? So when we're looking at what they might charge Alec Baldwin with, I think if we are in the homicide statutes versus like a negligent discharge of a firearm or something along those lines, I think the only place we are is here with the um, involuntary manslaughter. They do talk about the negligent use of a weapon, saying that a conviction of involuntary manslaughter by negligent use of a weapon requires negligence, which is ordinary. So was the gun used negligently because he didn't check it, because he pointed it directly at someone and pulled the trigger? Is that going to be enough in New Mexico? And it might well be. That's an ordinary level of negligence if it's determined that Alec Baldwin was negligently using a weapon. The thing that leads some credence to that is then the DA wanting to hire someone who's an expert on set, proving what is and isn't negligence to a jury, and whether someone else could be charged um, in, in this realm of negligent homicide as well. The person who got the live round to set, if that was done with negligence, the person who loaded the gun with the live round, if that was done with negligence, those things might fall into the involuntary manslaughter. So when we look at who could be charged, obviously the DA has already mentioned Alec Baldwin by name. He's the person who had the gun in his hand and literally pulled the trigger. But we also have to look at the person who handed him the weapon, which based on everything that's been public is the first AD, Dave Hall's. We have to look at the person who provided the weapon to the set and the ammunition, which is going to be Seth Kinney, the prop master. And we have to look at the person who was properly in charge of the weapon, which is going to be the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. So who do I think could be charged in this? Alec Baldwin, Seth Kinney, Dave Halls, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. On a more outside chance, the head of the props department, Sarah Zachary. I think that's a more outside, just based on the information that's available at the time of this recording. I think the first four are kind of the more likely. Would those all necessarily be in this realm of involuntary manslaughter? It depends on what they did and what they knew and what's negligent to them. Could there also be weapons charges, recklessness charges? Yes. Could we see some type of an assault charge, I think that would be, I don't know, I think that would be a bit harder to prove just after I looked at the New Mexico assault statutes because I don't know if you're going to prove that Alec Baldwin knew, but I think you can prove that he was reckless. 
unless they do an assault with a deadly weapon because he pulled the trigger, that's possible. But based on the DA's statement saying they are looking at all of their homicide statutes, I imagine that where they're looking is what they can prove under this involuntary manslaughter statute and then potentially putting other charges underneath it with this being the main charge. Because again, a weapon was used, a trigger was pulled, and somebody was killed. So would it feel strange to just charge assaultive crimes or just charge weapons crimes on that? Potentially, especially depending on what their investigation turns up. It seems from what we know from the FBI that the trigger needed to be pulled. That could change based on the rest of the reports they get. And of course, the more information they have, the better charging decision they can make. Will they just charge this case outright and charge it for a warrant, which means they would file the charges and file an arrest warrant and then likely arrange for people to turn themselves in, be booked, and then uh, either out on bail or out on recognizance, seeing that they've been out for a year? Probably. Could they do this by grand jury and present all this to a grand jury? Yes, but it would take much longer. And if they said they are going to have to move quickly um, to get charges in October, I don't know if they would do that through grand jury. But if time continues to go on, then I might wonder more if they're going to go for a grand jury indictment instead of just charging it. And then once they do, if they do a grand jury indictment, they wouldn't have to go to a preliminary hearing. The evidence would be behind closed doors initially to a grand jury, and then they could just move forward. So is that probably the more secure route in a case that's already waited a year that's got some pretty high-profile potential defendants and has already been quite a matter of public interest? Probably. That's it's probably what I would want to do. So we'll see if that's what they choose to do. So in sum, with the criminal charges, I think the strongest criminal charge we will see or the the um, most serious criminal charge we will see is probably involuntary manslaughter. Now, there were some notes in the statute that charging under the murder statute is sufficient. You don't have to charge degree I don't know if we will see a charge where they just call it uh, murder and it is under the involuntary manslaughter. I think that would be deeply confusing for the media. But I imagine whenever they do this, it will also have a press release. There will also be a statement to make it clear because there, this is not a traditional, you know, willful and volitional murder. This I still think falls within the involuntary manslaughter realm of charging. Could we also see weapons charges? Yes. Could we see charges for the ammo being on set? Possibly. But when we're looking at Baldwin specifically, I think involuntary is where we're at. And what would happen from there, as I just briefly said, depends on how they charge it. If they just do a charging document, there will need to be a charging document, an arrest warrant. There will need to be time for people to turn themselves in or be, you know, do, doing out-of-jurisdiction arrest warrants out of uh, New Mexico and what have you could take some time. They would probably make arrangements with people to turn themselves in. And then you would see arraignments, then potentially a preliminary hearing at some point in the future, then moving towards a criminal trial. If this is done by indictment, which means it's gone to a grand jury, same thing, you would 
need an, an indictment to be unsealed and then a warrant. And you would have the same process with probably making arrangements for people to turn themselves in on the indictment. And then there would be no preliminary hearing and it would just start moving the process forward towards trial. Now, Alec Baldwin's attorneys could choose to push this very quickly to trial. When you're looking at criminal cases, the timing of things is different than civil. And sometimes defendants can benefit by pushing the prosecution towards trial. So they're going to need to make sure that they have a lot of their ducks in a row when they charge this. Again, it's already been a year, but when we're looking at fatality, you generally have a number of years with the statute of limitation more than a number of years with the statute of limitations for that. And at least three plus years when you're looking at any potential weapons charges. So they're not in a rush from a statute of limitations standpoint on any of these potential charges, I don't think, unless they're looking at some misdemeanor charges. And a lot of those have a one-year statute of limitations. So it really... I can't imagine that that's, that that's what they're going to rush this whole thing over, though, is some misdemeanor charges. I would be surprised if there were any at all. A number of you asked over on Patreon in various different ways about what I thought of Baldwin's interviews. And I've done some different episodes breaking down the various interviews and whether I thought they would help or hurt. And I've said since the beginning, and will continue to reiterate, that the more statements you have in public, the more statements there are that are contradictory. And if you're looking at him saying, I didn't pull the trigger this way or I didn't do it this way, there are a whole bunch of different statements where he contradicts himself on how things went down. From his interview on Chris Cuomo's podcast to his interview with George Stephanopoulos, he describes things differently and continues to, which is why if there is an open criminal investigation, the proper response to would you like to talk about this is this is a tragedy for all involved. My family is devastated for the family of Helena Hutchins. She is in our thoughts and prayers. We hope this investigation figures out how a bullet ended up on this set. I have no further statements ever at any time. Not trying to teach everybody, not trying to explain. And even from the police interview that's been released, why it was released, I don't know. But the police interview that was released where Alec Baldwin's trying to teach the two police officers about how sets work and how guns work and how you use the, the hammer on the gun and all the other things is wild to me. But if this is charged and if it does move towards trial, all of those previous statements can come back to bite him. They're all different statements made about what happened here that he's made publicly. Um, and and with regard to the, the one from the police station that he made after waiving his Miranda rights. So yes, those statements, I think, will come back to hurt him because it's not consistent. And it's it's very human that things might not be consistent, but it doesn't mean that jurors like it, especially when it's all these different ways that the, the gun was manipulated to go off. It's not little inconsistencies. To me, some of them seemed like bigger inconsistencies. I was, you know, he said he was fanning the back of the gun or like slapping that shit around, like slapping at the back of the gun. And then he said he was like showing it to Helena. And he's demonstrating these things with his body each time he tells the story and each time it's different. So to answer all of you lovely law nerds on Patreon, I think those statements, all of them, 
will very much be a problem for him. Very much. And a number of you asked about his house. So let's talk about the Daily Mail's report that Alec Baldwin is selling his, I don't know, 10-acre estate for $29 million, or at least asking for that. This is a exclusive to the Daily Mail. Alec Baldwin looks defeated as he faces criminal charges over fatal onset shooting and offloads 29 million Hamptons home to quote, unquote, shield his assets and quote, unquote, protect himself from looming legal bills. I don't know if you can protect yourself from looming legal bills. The legal bills are going to happen depending on what kind of insurance you have. We might see where that goes. But this is a report coming from September 26th from the Daily Mail. And I don't think it's fair to yet say Baldwin faces criminal charges. Baldwin may face criminal charges. I mean, potato, potato for you, but not for me. I think faces criminal charges indicate that charges have happened. This is may face criminal charges, could face criminal charges. As the DA indicates, criminal charges may be forthcoming. I think there's a lot of more specific ways to say it, but that's me being picky. Let's continue on to the selling of the house. The article points out that Baldwin and his wife just welcomed their seventh child and said, quote, in a heartfelt Instagram post dedicated to his children today, Baldwin seems to reference the rush shooting as he wrote, quote, my heart has been broken a thousand times this past year and things in my life may never be the same. I, I don't think anything can be the same. No matter what happens from this point forward, truly, and no matter how you feel about Alec Baldwin, um, he, by all accounts, seems to have not known that there was a live round in the weapon. I, If there is different evidence on that some point in the future, then maybe I'll change my mind on this. But at this point, there has been no indication that he would ever know that there was a live round in that gun. Is it reckless to point a gun at someone? Absolutely. Has he been on, a, you know, hundreds of movie sets where he's engaged in guns or at least tens and tens and tens of movie sets where he's engaged in guns? Yes. Is this an absolutely unthinkable tragedy? Yes. So I don't doubt that his life will never be the same again. Does that prevent him from coming off as a giant ass? No. But I don't disagree that his life will never be the same. He took someone's life at his hands. And that is something that I would imagine will never leave him. Whatever he's charged with or not charged with, his life has changed. Not nearly as much as the Hutchins family who lost their you know, wife and mother um, and to all of her extended family who lost their loved one. But yes, his life has absolutely changed. They said that the Instagram post went over to say lots of changes coming, but my family has kept me alive. They are my reason for living. And Hilaria Baldwin, too. Is she not your family, though? Okay, anyway. Um, it was in the midst of all these developments that Baldwin last week placed his largest asset, his $29 million estate on Long Island, on the market. They're saying that the legal observers that they've that the Daily Mail has talked to said that Baldwin's decision to sell his estate may be in an effort to shift and potentially shield assets from lawsuits that could cost him a fortune. They could if he loses his indemnity, for sure. They say the timing has sparked speculation that the actor who last weekend celebrated the birth of his eighth child, wait, eighth or seventh? 
I'm so confused, is less interested in a lifestyle change than in preparing for potential doomsday in the courts. I mean, it's possible. It's possible that he's selling it so that those assets are more liquid or that he's selling it for other reasons or that they just don't want the house anymore. It, I mean, it, it could be a lot of reasons, but I think that there's going to be quite a lot, um, quite a lot of money spent on lawyers no matter what. And even if he is indemnified, potentially quite a lot of money spent on lawyers to fight for that indemnity. The person that they talked to, they're talking to a Manhattan trust lawyer, Robert Steele, said, quote, I'd be interested to see if he's buying anything in Florida because Florida has some special homestead protections and told the Daily Mail that O.J. Simpson bought a house in Florida and got protections there that you can't get in most states. I'd be curious to see if the creditors could claw that back. So buy homestead protections, buying land or property or compound in Florida if it is your primary residence, there are some things that you can't get to, can't be sold off, can't be forced to be sold off to cover um, to cover debts or to cover judgments and things like that. So wouldn't that be interesting to see if Baldwin ends up in the news sometime in the future buying a compound somewhere in Florida? The article goes on to note that in July, he sold a home in upstate New York for over $530,000 and purchased a farm in Vermont. The article goes on to talk to others who said, you don't just sell off all these properties in the same year as a matter of coincidence. Um, they go on and quote Adam Bailey, a Manhattan real estate lawyer who's met Baldwin in the Hamptons, that quote, Baldwin's real estate strategy will reveal itself after the property sale when he decides where to plant the windfall. The lawyer said it's possible he could protect assets by placing them in an irrevocable trust or by moving to a state like Florida. We don't have Florida's laws where your property is protected if you're sued, Bailey told the Daily Mail. If you are sued in New York, your entire property could be taken away. But he claimed that Baldwin might also be tempted to place millions in trust for his children. He is a father to model uh, Ireland Baldwin from his marriage to Kim Basinger and has seven children with his wife, Polaria. The smallest, the smartest thing he could do is create an irrevocable trust to avoid creditors who would go after him and put it in the names of children who he likes. So the, the lawyers have weighed in on a way that assets might get moved around and they very well might. This is all forward looking and planning, but it's not something that can be prevented because there are no judgments against him. This type of forward planning can happen unencumbered. After a judgment, you can't do it. But prior to a judgment, yes, it absolutely can be done. And that's going to cross for a lot of you those boundaries of legality and morality. While it may feel ick, it might not be actually improper, legally speaking. So do I trust that that Baldwin's fleets of lawyers are going to do what they can to protect not only themselves getting paid, but Baldwin and his family for the future? Absolutely. That's absolutely what the lawyers are going to do. That is their job, to come up with all of the strategies to put into place to protect him because there is a fleet of lawsuits against him and his companies. And that's why you have companies when you undergo business ventures like films or anything truly. But that's a conversation for another day. My voice is just about done. Hopefully this has been helpful. 
Hopefully it's answered some questions of what we might see. And don't worry, whenever we see whatever the DA in Santa Fe decides to do, I'll be here breaking it down with you so we can talk about it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law nerd. Stay well. Stay stay healthier than me. Um, it just, the travel caught up with me and it just got me and it has been rough. So hopefully your going is much smoother than mine. And with that, may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well, much more well than me. Like stock up on all the hydration and vitamin C, all the things. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law nerd. I will talk to you in the next one.